This week, Apple is trying to ignore your privacy, Tor is trying to protect its network, and YouTube is staying on Roku. It's Tuesday, December 14th, 2021, and this is episode 613 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options through our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, and YouTube, or on our website, plughitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is normally on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, but if you follow us on social media, you'll know when we go live. Uh, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio. Give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. I see we've already got comments tonight. Hello to our live viewers. If you're not able to join us live, that is okay. Um, you can also go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, First Looks, and a whole lot more. And of course, you can find all the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. We want to apologize to our live viewers. We had some, uh, some technical issues last night that prevented us from doing a show, but it's okay because we're here tonight. Hooray. With our first uh, Tuesday show yeah. in almost a year. Uh, we did one at the very beginning of the year. Um, oh. But norm normally when we get backed up, we back up to a Monday or we cancel the show altogether. But there's some interesting stuff this week that we really felt we wanted to talk about. So yeah, here we absolutely. are on a Tuesday. <laughs> absolutely. This is a, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on um, in, in tech. And it is, of course... It is of course the midst of the holiday season, but that doesn't mean that it is. That doesn't mean that there's not interesting things going on. In fact, uh, in addition to all the news going on, you see people doing holiday tech-related things. So uh, today, I had my uh, show that I host, the uh, Tom's Hardware Podcast, <laughs> which I do at Tuesdays at two thirty p.m. and we had, uh, and I always dress up for it, um, and we had a guest today who uh, has decked out his house with uh, 120,000 Christmas lights that are controlled by four Raspberry Pis. There is an eight-minute show that it does, and you can see a video wow. of it on uh it's uh the the gentleman's name is shane bourgeois and shane bourgeois uh youtube channel he actually has a video of it from last year and this year he said that he's, it has just a few more lights but he's waiting for snow to like get a video of it in the snow because he likes ah. to show it to show the show to show what it looks like during the snow when he videos it but um it plays like this Christmas music and it it happens 
I guess there's something a little unclear on. There's a button outside his house that if you're walking by his house, you can hit the button and it will set off the show, the eight minute show. But he also has the show go off automatically happen every 30 minutes. And if you, I think if you can listen to it directly from his house, like outside of his house, blaring on a speaker, or if you drive over to his house, because apparently people drive in from out of town to see his display. I'm not actually exactly sure what town he's in Massachusetts somewhere, what town he's in, okay. but people uh, drive from out of town. The town actually advertises his house on their Facebook page as a tourist attraction. Wow. And, and you can tune in to like 87.2 or something on your FM radio uh-huh. and his house is actually broadcasting the music on, on an FM channel for you know every time it does this so i asked him like do you nate what do your neighbors think about this and he said that they were his next door neighbor was cool with it and then across the street there's an apartment complex and he hasn't gotten any complaints from the people of the apartment complex now i don't know if i could hear that music every half an hour uh i mean for the light part of it is one thing, but if I could hear that music every half an hour, I don't know how I would feel about it. But, um, but they, uh, it's, it's a pretty impressive display. I will, I will say that there's so an apparent, and he claims that they, that his is just, his isn't the biggest display like this, that there's some open source software that you can get uh-huh. uh, to control massive massive light displays with raspberry mm-hmm. pi and and so apparently there are people all over the internet doing the same yeah um actually one of our uh roboticon volunteers uh documented his process of installing and setting up the uh the dmx system this year uh for his lights so yeah yeah he said it's <laughs> He uses X lights. Uh huh. Is that the same which as DMX? Is, which is well, DMX is a is a protocol. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So anyway, that's and then he said, next year there's also going to be a display for Halloween. Yep. <laughs> yeah, those are getting real popular so, too. We've got a couple of them around here, and in fact, we've actually got. Uh, we used to have a house around here who did a whole uh, uh, show to lights, and they also had um, a short-range FM transmitter uh, set up so you could listen to the music from your car, too. Ah, uh, that's cool. I mean, I, I always love the Halloween ones the best. Uh, we haven't had anything quite that cool around here in terms of, like, a massive light show, but we have seen people with, like, robotic witches and things like that on there. On their yard, on their yard. So okay, that uh, that's you know that's cool. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a fan of the innovation. Yeah, um, and and using using relatively easily accessible things um, to to create something big and exciting for the whole community. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. It, it's great. I mean, I'd hate to see what his electric bill is. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I, uh, 
because I bet I I bet it's fairly significant for all those lights and the music and everything like that. But sure, I mean it's it's definitely a, a source of pride, which is great. I mean, even um, if you watch the episode we did, which is on the Tom's Harbor YouTube channel, you'll see that that he actually has like this crazy like pelican case that he's like turned into his like control center gotcha. and he's got it's got like a rack it's like got rack mounted raspberry pies that you can pull in and out with okay. like 3d printed racks nice. on them and like all it's like that's actually as, as impressive as the outdoor display is that He's got this thing, which kind of, he said it's like the nuclear football or something. Uh -huh. You open it up and there are all these lights and things and racks inside. And it's just for, uh, you know, it's, it's just for controlling this, <laughs> this massive light display that he has. So. That's super cool. Well, I have not seen today's episode yet. So I look forward to, uh, to putting that on while I'm editing in a little while. Uh, for those of you, uh, well, whether you're watching live or not, uh, just a reminder that right after the holidays, uh, we have CES coming up. That is our next big thing, uh, both for Tom's Hardware and for uh, Plunkett's Live and the Tech Podcast Network. Um, it's going to be a big deal for us this year. We're trying to bring the show up a little higher, uh, which we're pretty excited about. In 2020, we literally brought it up higher when we put it up on the tower. Uh, but this year, we're, we're adding a lot of stuff that we haven't had in the past, including early publishing, which we've talked about in the past. Uh, definitely, you're going to want to check it out over on YouTube. If you go to our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Live, there's a join button. And uh, the second tier, the uh, yellow shirt tier, um, we will be putting videos in there from the floor and from the live production all during the show, which we're pretty excited about. We've never gotten to do this before. We're real excited about it. So if you're one of our uh, one of our members, you'll get early access to all the interviews. Definitely go check that out. It's going to be cool. We've got an. We're trying to get a new set this year, Abram. We're doing something different. We haven't announced what it is we're doing yet, but the show, the whole show, if we do it right, is going to look different. We're real excited about it. So. That so the tier the membership tiers are red shirt yellow shirt blue shirt and green shirt so um, green for the Plunkett's live color um, and also right. Captain Kirk's weird uh, yeah he had the sometimes right, he had green, the green shirt yeah uh, for so, like the dress uniform in the original series so we call we call our free subscribers uh, the red shirts um, the uh, the first tier are the blue shirt, the second tier are the yellow shirt, and then our, our big subscribers where you get your name in the credits of CES and all kinds of stuff. Um, those are our green shirts because they were, it was infrequently used in the show, so it's infrequently used. It's our, it's our elite tier, uh, over on YouTube and on Twitch. Don't forget, you can also support us over on Twitch, but if you support us over on YouTube right now, you get that that special perk of, uh, of the, um, the early publishing of the videos, which is really cool. But you also get, uh, this show, uh, this show right here, <laughs> old throwback. Um, you'll get that, uh, ad free, uh, tomorrow, which is pretty cool as well. So lots of, so, lots of cool stuff. 
I just I just want to point out that I started watching the latest season of Star Trek Discovery, okay. and the captain is wearing a red shirt. Okay. <laughs> so, so so we're at that point where the uh, the uniforms are changing to the to the the correct style, the actual navy style, as opposed to where they had the the uh, yellow and red. Right. I mean, some of the other people had have read also or whatever i guess some of the people on the on the on the bridge but yes the captain is wearing is wearing red so i believe also that captain picard was wearing red in in next gen so every everybody everybody but toss so uh in next generation uh they they fixed the color schemes they didn't know that they had two of the colors backwards um so in toss red and yellow were backwards and then from next gen on uh uh, command was in red, and what would have been called the yellow shirt, the red shirts were wearing yellow. Ah, okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, the original is still the best. So original so, is so what we colors. based our based our tiers on. <laughs> so the colors are the colors are correct. Oh my goodness. Anyway, so we've got obviously we've got a lot of stuff coming up. We're very excited about it, um, and obviously our. Our uh, our subscribers, both free and paid tiers, will get to check that out soon because CES is way too uh, close for comfort. So, <laughs> and we'll be making some announcements. I think starting this Friday, we're going to start posting some of our favorite interviews from last year as a lead up to uh, to CES 2022, which we're pretty excited about. So stay tuned for that. But for now, like we said, we've got a lot of uh, news to get down to, so let's do that now. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, desperately seeking a new Xbox, games, and a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. And remember that current uh, students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything, to browse the products, to see deals that are going on, and to learn more about the discounts, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. All right, so it's been almost a year since the topic of app tracking transparency uh, started. Uh, we know that earlier in the year, uh, Apple started to make a big deal about the feature as Facebook started to make a big deal about the future, the feature, but in opposite directions. Um, you might remember the ad that Apple ran. There was a guy who was using his phone. Every time he did something, somebody else started uh, sitting around him and watching what he was doing until it came up with a little dialogue box that said, ask not to track. He hit it and all the people disappeared. Um, that's the app tracking transparency feature. Basically, uh, you get to tell apps that you do not want them to have access to um, identifiable and uh, behavioral uh, data. Some of that can include browser history um, and even uh, the other apps that you use and switch between um, but what we are finding out now is that it doesn't work exactly the way Apple said it did. In fact, um, they have given 
the people that Tim Cook once called hucksters <laughs> access to that data, even if you tell them no. Uh, in particular, Facebook and Snap, uh, the two companies that you would imagine were the ones that Apple was trying to uh, to hold back at bay. No. Uh, they still have access to that information, even if you say ask not to track. But they've been asked, pretty please, uh, don't make it identifiable. Now, Facebook is not a company... Well, Meta, I guess, is not a company that um, is known for keeping their promises on privacy. I think we all remember the leak of the phone number database from them uh, not too long ago. And of course, we can't forget about Cambridge Analytica, which uh, was kind of the beginning of the public's big concerns with what Facebook was up to. Apple is trusting, just trusting, that uh, given the access, even when they're not supposed to have it, um, that they will anonymize it. So, you know, I, I think we can trust that. Right, Abram? <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, look, the thing is, at this point, I don't know. I feel like pri you're so, your privacy is already so violated every time you use certain apps and do certain things that like, mm -hmm. and, and even do things that you didn't realize that were violating your privacy. I feel like maybe we're living in a post privacy, a post privacy world. Like, I don't know. I just, I can't get too excited about people saying, Oh, this is good for your privacy and others saying, Oh, this don't trust this company. They're bad for your privacy. Like, I, I feel like I don't have a lot of privacy. So mm -hmm. when it comes to online stuff, so I, I just it, like all this stuff about, well, we're going to fix it. So this company can't track you and that company can't track you, but still whoever's holding the reins to that can track you has mm -hmm. their own way to track you like Google trying to, to, to do away with cookies and things like that. But meanwhile, Google has all this information on you. So, Look, the, all this, we don't want the company to track us is really a nice way of saying we're going to decide who gets to track, who mm -hmm. gets access to the best personally identifiable data from you and who doesn't. And then in a way that's picking winners and losers in a business because having that information has value. So yeah. it's similar. I don't it's know. similar to uh, to the the argument over over. Uh the current patent law, right? It's the government picking winners and losers. And this is, in this case, this is Apple picking winners and losers. Right. So, yeah, you know what? I'm not so sure. I mean, I get it. The public, like if you hear someone's going, Apple's going to protect my privacy or Google's going to protect my privacy or this thing's going to protect my pri you know, privacy using a particular special browser or something that's going to protect my privacy, I get it why you would say, hey, that sounds pretty good. But yeah. I'm not really sure what is and is what is really being protected. Are you protecting me from ads that show stuff that I was interested in? Oh, 
oh well you know it sure it it, it doesn't like i don't i don't care now mind I can you, tell you i can tell you at this point my ads are never what i'm looking for this time of year because you know gift guides and ces yeah, pitches exactly. and I stuff mean, my ads are right. bonkers already <laughs> Right. I mean, it depends. But yes, I have gotten ads for a lot of things. Now, I mean, I guess, I guess if you're browsing something that you, I don't know, would be embarrassed if somebody saw the ad over your shoulder that you were looking at and thought you were interested in such thing. But who knows? Ads are weird. So, like, it's hard for me to. It's hard for me to imagine how this affects privacy in any way that's really tangible to me. Now, like, I'm concerned about security. I'm concerned about people getting information they could use to impersonate me uh, for, you know, to do identity theft. Sure. Like the conversation we had about about dating apps and and, uh, 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 social phishing and stuff like that. That's that's be a concern, but whether a company can send me like I don't know. I'm staring right now at the upstream page, and there's an ad for Walmart that has a whole bunch of stuff that I was looking at for shopping over the last few weeks, and some of and most of it not at Walmart either. Um, or maybe I was at Walmart at one point. Anyway, it, Hopefully like, at it Walmart's okay. website and not that you're getting ads yes. based on where you physically were in a Walmart store. Oh, I haven't been in a Walmart in a long time. So no, it's it's not. So like, okay, whatever. It it's not um it's not bad. I mean it, it, it kind of reminded reminds me that I that I have to get that at some point I have to buy this board game. Um so like you know what? It it, it doesn't I don't know. I just I'm not too concerned about my my privacy from things like targeted ads, which is what what most of this has to do with. Sure. I'm concerned about information that has can be financially damaging to me. Yeah, I'm concerned. But all of these things that these apps are tracking you with are not financially damaging to you. So really what they are is possibly financially beneficial to an advertiser and right. That's commerce. Let them, let them advertise to me. You know, if they advertise to me something I'm not interested in, that's their problem. If they advertise True. to me something I am interested in, uh, great. That's okay. I mean, maybe I won't click it, but I guess I'd rather see pictures of stuff I was interested in on the ads on a page than uh, than stuff that I'm not. So fair enough. You know, for a while. I don't think I'm not getting any more, but for a while I used to get all these ads. Like I'm a big fan of Adafruit, which is a site that sells a lot of electronics or whatever. And I remember for a while there, there was like a, a um, phone game. I was a bubble popping game. I was playing on my phone a lot and I would get all these ads on it for like buying a Raspberry Pi at Adafruit. And I'd be like, well, I've already done that, but like I'd rather see them than see some of the other junk that you are that this this could pop True. up. So yeah. if you gotta show me an ad, especially uh, show on me mobile. a pleasant one. Especially right. on mobile, because a lot of the mobile like ad platforms, they show some weird stuff. I get strange ads 
on mobile. Right. For stuff that's like, how did we get here? <laughs> right. Exactly. So I don't know. I'm just, I guess my overall point is I don't, I think people are too worried about privacy, don't, are, are worried about privacy, but they don't really know what it is. Yeah. They don't know what it, it means when, when companies like Apple say, we're going to protect your privacy. Sure. You know, you know what folks should do? They should start by protecting their own privacy by not posting stuff and by not oversharing online. True. I mean, I, I will not get into this or name names, but I had a acquaintance, uh, not someone who's like a good friend or anything, acquaintance, someone who I knew professionally uh, this week on social media, share some really, really, really private, juicy details about their personal life, their marriage, other kind of stuff, their uh, run-in with run-ins with the law and stuff like that on and huh. it's not the first time I've seen somebody do that and I wanted to say to the person like but we're not really a friend so I'm not going to comment for them right right like if I were you I really wouldn't share this to like this so and right. anyway point point being I think people are their own worst enemies when it comes to pri- when it comes to privacy because True of the story. things that they publish to publish to either publicly or to a wider group of friends than they should or to anybody online. So, you know, I think True you should, wor- I think people should worry more about what they're putting out there than what, what advertisements they're getting. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's, there, there's a lot to that. Now I'm going to, I'm going to have to poke a little bit. What board game? I know it's what everybody oh. wants to know. <laughs> oh, okay. So actually this would be more of a card game than a board game if you really okay. want to be technical. But uh, I was visiting a good friend of mine this weekend and we were playing this game called Throw Throw Burrito, uh, which is which is really which is a really fun game, I learned. Uh, so it is it is a game where it's like a dodgeball style card game. What you do is you have the object of the game is to collect like um is to get is to score the most points by having the most like sets of three cards but while you're playing you can um you you can collect like you can start a burrito duel and like the other players you make the other players throw these these rubber burritos at each other and whoever gets hit with a rubber burrito gets a burrito bruise, which costs them a point. So you play until all six, I think all six burrito bruises have been given out and then see who has the most points. Um, the game is actually pretty hilarious. And it's the only game that I, card game I've ever played where there are no turns. It's just continuous. People are just like dealing cards and going around simultaneously. Okay. Play only stops when there's a burrito duel so oh. uh if you're watching live i've i've put the link in the chat to amazon amazon's got it on sale right now uh yes so we we have lately discovered some fun like card games so 
through a, a good friend of mine introduced uh, my wife and I to some really and my family and I to some really fun card games. There's that. We we got one called Exploding Kittens, which is like more like a a game we have to make sure that you don't get the exploding the kitten bomb card and then yeah. Uh, it's made by the same unicorns. people. Yes. And then there's another one that's made by a different company that we've gotten called Unstable Unicorns, where uh-huh. uh, kind of a similar ilk. So anyway, um, you know, cute, fun, no no computers involved. Sure. Uh, sure. An actual offline game that you can play with other human beings. Amazing. Alante said in the chat, very familiar with exploding kittens and unstable unicorns, which definitely suggests that throw throw burrito is a new one to him. Uh, we might have to put our hands on this one too, especially with it being on sale. I am curious what the difference is between the original and the outdoor edition. I'm going to research. Oh, the that. outdoor one, the outdoor one, <laughs> oh. they're this big. Oh my God. Okay. They're, they're like life's They're No, bigger than life size. They're, they're <laughs> human size. <laughs> uh so and the cards so are bigger too so it's like it's like throwing a dog got it <laughs> it's like throwing a giant beach ball at someone basically and Wonderful. if you catch the burrito the other person is the other person gets the bruise so. okay i can't wait to uh to investigate this one <laughs> because this is ridiculous um i absolutely love it uh but anyway i guess the takeaway is that uh <laughs> it it kind of is what it is. We know what the internet is these days, and uh, right now it doesn't seem to be harming anybody. What uh, what advertisers are looking at, so maybe we don't need to be too worried about this right now. This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. Uh, the best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices, and you can get a special money back. Uh, what? Get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee by going to pilchpoint.live slash PureVPN. That fascinatingly ties in with our last topic, but right now we're going to change topics and talk about uh, the last year. So it's been an interesting year. Uh, It's been a bad year once again for shortages. There's been, it's been very difficult to get a graphics card in 2021 and supplies of other tech products have gotten better, but still there are some there's some shortages going on well also i should say xboxes and playstation 5s are still especially playstation 5s are still hard to come by but they're affected by the same graphics shortage as graphics cards so nevertheless there's been some wonderful innovations this year and we have picked the top 15 new the top 15 products of 2021 for Tom's Hardware, and I'm going to share my screen and and talk about it. So, uh, so we have this up as an article on the Tom'sHardware.com homepage right now, and the best CPU this year 
especially the most innovative, has certainly been Intel's Alder Lake processor or Alder Lake family of processors. They are Intel's first hybrid processor for the desktop. That means it has a combination of performance cores, otherwise known as P cores and efficiency cores called E cores. And the E cores and the P cores together allow you to get the best gaming performance on a consumer or on really a mainstream or even any CPU because rather than all the cores using the same amount of power, it can really say, say you've got some streaming going on in the background or you've got messaging going on in the background or you've got music going on in the background. Those can go on the efficiency cores that run at a lower clock speed, use less power, and then more of the heat and power can go to the to the cores that are doing the important work like running your game. Uh, similarly, if we uh, similarly uh, for graphics cards, this was not a year of big innovation because we are all still uh, trying to get new graphics cards. But among those new graphics cards that came out, the RTX 3060 was a real standout because if it were selling anywhere near its uh, MSRP of 329, it would be quite a bargain. It's giving you 12 gigabytes of video RAM, which is very important for a lot of titles and high performance GDDR6 video RAM at that. Uh, a really big standout for the inside of your PC for your storage is an SSD that only came out this fall. The Kingston KC3000 uh, is the fastest uh, NVMe SSD that we have tested. It uh, even, even was faster than the Samsung 980 Pro and WD Black SN850. Uh, it can operate at, uh, at read speed, at, at read and write speeds of uh, seven and six gigabit per second. So, so pretty impressive. Uh, skipping along to some other stuff, the uh, MSI Optics MPG321UR-QD. Uh, pause That's and, a lot of letters. Pause and play that back. Play that back again in case you want to know what to buy. Is a very impressive gaming monitor this year and it has been on sale for as little as $7.99. Although at the moment, I'm not sure what the price is for the, at this very second, but during um, during the Black Friday Cyber Week, you could get this for $7.99. And it is a curved 32 inch uh, 4K gaming monitor that operates at 144 Hertz. And it covers 117% of the DCI-P3 color gamut because it uses quantum dot technology. So an incredibly impressive 4K gaming monitor and in a world where really good 4K gaming monitors can easily cost you over $1,000, uh, this is actually uh, a great value for the price. For our favorite keyboard of the year is one that uh, viewers of this show would be familiar with because I, I reviewed it recently and, and showed it on the show, which is the Akko 3098B, a really impressive wireless keyboard that you can also run wired that has just absolutely fantastic keycaps, 
uh, the ability to do five different uh, between Bluetooth wired and 2.4 gigahertz, five different profiles. So you could easily switch back and forth uh, between your different devices and lovely RGB settings and a really awesome compact 96% keyboard layout. Uh, our favorite mouse is the Razer Basilisk V3, which, which what's interesting is the scroll wheel intelligently detects whether you are need an infinite scroll or an incremental scroll and changes the amount of tension dynamically to suit you, which is, which is pretty impressive. This year, we also saw the birth of the Raspberry Pi Pico, which we've talked about in the show, which is Raspberry Pi's first microcontroller, which let, has led to an entire ecosystem of microcontrollers using Raspberry Pi's RP2040 uh, SOC. Uh, so that was really revolutionary. You could say it's kind of an Arduino killer in the um, in the world of microcontrollers. The new MacBook Pro is a big step forward for Apple. It's rather a step forward by stepping back to giving you actual USB port to giving you regular USB ports, HDMI out, and no more Touch Bar. So that's so that's useful. We also uh, really love the VoxLab Ares 3D printer. Great for great for families and first time printing. It's a mostly enclosed printer that delivers great prints and has Wi-Fi. Uh, and our favorite webcam of the year. Uh, there's usually not a ton of innovation in the webcam world, but this year there was uh, Dell's Ultra Sharp webcam uh, gives you really great 4k capture with the hdr capability and the and also the ability to shoot at 60 fps so a truly most webcams are not really any better than the 60 dollars logitech c920 that people have been using for 10 years but dell's ultra sharp webcam which does cost quite a bit it's around 200 dollars really does give you a nicer field of view, better low light, better color, uh, and and high resolution. So, lots of great stuff that has come out this year. I definitely recommend folks check out our list of the best of the best tech products of 2021 on the homepage of tomshardware.com. Sorry about that delay. Uh, still dealing with some stuff happening in here. Anyway, uh, that was that was uh, some some uh, interesting products. I wasn't prepared for the webcam um, because obviously, like you said, uh, webcams just don't change that much. There's usually not that much interesting things happening in the webcam there space. There should so be though. There should be. There's. There should be, be especially I think especially after the year that we had in 2020, where people discovered that doing web chats and doing video calls became more important than ever and is going to continue to be really important. Yeah. The need to innovate in that space and give you better quality visuals is is still is still key. So 
Dell gets a lot of credit for that. I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to see a little bit more innovation from some other companies. Uh, Razer did a good job uh, with the new Kio Pro as well. Yeah, this year, I've got, I would like I've got to one see out in my more. Office. <laughs> this, however, Dell's Ultra Sharp is uh, gives you better picture than the Kio Pro. How, but uh, I'd like to see a little bit more in terms of quality webcams on laptops we are seeing a bit better apple upped apple up the ante a bit on the new macbook pro with with the webcam although it's in a notch so i think we're going to see more and more uh, laptop webcams going to 1080p but i'd like to see better in terms of low light and color reproduction and and things like that because yeah you, you need a good webcam. It's true. Now more than ever, right? This is yeah. this has been a, uh, an awakening <laughs> for several industries. Laptops uh, and then desktop webcams has been a an, an impressive awakening. Obviously, here we use something a little different as a webcam. We've got the, the, the Kia Pro uh, out there, but we also... We've been using uh, the Logitech Mevos uh, as webcams as well when we're here in the studio. And these things are, I mean, they're not inexpensive, but they're really cool little cameras. In fact, uh, uh, that, you're, looking, you're looking at me on a Mevo right now. Fantastic. And we'll be doing I mean, all it's of CES great to have, with a Mevo. That's great. It's great to have good quality, web, to have good quality cameras yeah. for shooting. I feel like back before the pandemic, a lot of companies, a lot of compute PC vendors had written the webcam off and that was incredibly foolish, even at the time. Remember we yeah. saw Apple having 480p cameras on on its MacBooks. We saw companies like Dell uh, putting the webcam to shoot up your nose. Yeah. Uh, I think we even saw some, some, some Companies actually not even giving you a webcam on a couple of devices. Like it was such an afterthought. Yeah. And I always thought it was a mistake. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's good to see that there's a focus being put back on it because it definitely is needed, especially now. Um, And, you know, while people in, you're a great example of it, right? People are starting to go back into offices, but not, full-time not everybody lots of people are continuing to work remotely um and so yeah also i mean a computer with a a built-in webcam that's quality is is going to continue to be important because we don't want to have to lug around another piece of equipment it would be much better if the one built into our laptop was actually a quality camera it's nice that dell and logitech and and Razer have been doing this thing for certain markets, but you know, a two hundred dollar Dell or Razer webcam is not designed for the average office worker necessarily. It's definitely designed for Twitch streamers and stuff. So you know, it's. I would like to see it. I don't know if this will ever be technically possible, but I would consider this to be a great achievement if someone could figure out a way to embed a webcam underneath your screen 
so that you're looking right at it yep and make it almost like a, a one uh like a one-way mirror or something so you don't see it when you're looking at the screen but it sees you yeah um i believe that there's a i believe there's a phone or two that have prototyped that uh in the wild so far one kind of did it iffy when you turn it on the the notch gets knocked out so you can still see the lens but i think there's one that's doing it through essentially one-way mirror style uh through the through the glass so at least that's a that's a prototype of the concept because i think that's one of the problems that no webcam has really solved is yeah. if the webcam is over here and you want me to be looking you in the eye right i want to be looking at the screen where i'm looking at your face so ideally the webcam would be exactly where i'm looking right and and not so it looks like I'm doing this while I'm talking to you. <laughs> or I'm looking right. up over your so head. So you kind of have the choice, right? Either I'm looking at you or I'm looking at the camera. Right. It's not perfect. Yeah. I'm I'm either doing this or this with the nostril cam. Either <laughs> either way, I'm not looking like I'm engaging with you. But if I am looking at you, I'm looking it doesn't look like it. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, you you might have said it, and I wasn't paying attention because I was trying to fix the internet. Uh, obviously, this list is already up, correct? Yes, on tomshardware.com on the homepage, so you can go check it out right now. Fantastic. Well, as always, Avram, I appreciate it. You obviously see way more products in a year <laughs> than I could possibly hope to put my hands on uh so it's always nice to see how uh how they have done and as always i look forward to what we talk about next This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is probably powered by Loot Crate. Whether you're a gamer, anime fan, or pop culture aficionado, Loot Crate has got a crate for you. They curate a bundle of collectibles, apparel, figures, and more that you can't find anywhere else. Crates get delivered to your door. It is like getting an awesome birthday present from yourself every month. And to learn more about the crates, uh, to find out what is available and what uh, deals are running, you can go to f5live.tv slash loot crate. All right. So one brand that we don't talk about very often, although lately we have been, has been Google Stadia. Um, that was Google's uh, gaming platform that um, received a hearty meh from the gaming community when it came out and uh, has not really hit its stride. Um, it it works well, but it doesn't have anything that makes it particularly special. There hasn't been any uh, exclusive games or anything like that. Uh, Google went and shut their, uh, their internal first-party uh, development studio down before they launched even their first title, uh, signaling that maybe Google wasn't quite as excited about it as they had let on. Um, then came an announcement that the company was going to be 
licensing the technology to other people to white label. We saw AT&T do that recently uh, with uh, Batman, uh, one of the Batman games that they made available to their uh, mobile subscribers, though interestingly, you couldn't play it on mobile, but that's okay. That's a whole different issue. Um, this week, something interesting happened, but it is not necessarily the party that uh, Stadia owners have been hoping for. Um, LG has made Google Stadia available on its WebOS televisions. Um, you have to be running WebOS 5.0, um, which basically means the 2020 and 2021 models of LG televisions, but uh, it works. We're here. Uh, your choices are surprisingly wide on the different ways that you can interact with it. The Stadia control controller can connect uh, directly to Wi-Fi. You can also pair it with your uh, mobile phone and use its internet connection. Um, if you have a 2021 LG TV, they've got Bluetooth, which means that you could pair an Xbox or a PlayStation controller to it. Or uh, if you've got a 2020, you can even use a long USB cable if you have one and plug it in directly and use uh, any number of controllers. Uh, the interface is solid. Um, the pairing to the uh, Stadia controller is not ideal when trying to pair to your mobile device um, because unlike other platforms, the, the pairing code doesn't come up on the initial screen like it should. But other than that, um, everything runs real smooth. Um, it's, it's a nice... A solid implementation of the Stadia technology, but there's a couple problems. One, LG's TVs are not quite the, the market saturation that, say, Samsung or TCL have. Um, and if you exclude the TCL TVs that launched this year with Google TV on board that um, have been pulled from sale... Uh, then, then your TCL TV probably runs Roku, which doesn't have it. Your Samsung TV doesn't have it. There's a lot of platforms that it still isn't, um, if they're not Google. Uh, so, yes, this is a good sign, though LG made this promise almost a year ago at CES 2021 um, that they were going to have Stadia by the end of the year. They came in just under the buzzer. Um, but... But maybe it is a signal that uh, that Google's willing to try again, or try at all, because it didn't feel like they tried uh, initially. Otherwise, we would have seen this elsewhere, right? We would have seen it on Samsung or Roku or somewhere that's not owned by Google. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see it on Roku. So, but here's here's the question, and I, I guess people who use Stadia don't care that much, but you're still going over a Bluetooth connection, right? So are you introducing too much latency for a game that has that requires high speed? Yeah, it's what you're doing with uh, Xbox cloud gaming or uh, or things of that nature. So I, it's not that's not a unique latency. And if you use if you use the actual stadia controller um, and and hook it up uh, directly, to the interwebs, <laughs> then your your delay is only the Wi-Fi delay because you're both pushing to the same server, right? You've just got two endpoints, one for video and one for for uh, for input output. Um, so 
it's actually when you do that, uh, you technically don't have any additional lag that you would, you know, a frame or two extra with Bluetooth. But you know, you're if you're talking if you're talking, you know, streaming a game, I think we all know what we're getting ourselves into with that. Uh, uh, GeForce Now yeah. or Xbox Game uh, uh, Cloud Gaming. I, I think we all know what we're getting into and that we might have a couple of frames of additional lag there. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the I was just looking at the selection here. There's a pretty decent selection of games that you can play on Stadia now. Yes. I don't yeah. think the these catalog are all has definitely like grown. The, I think a lot of these are old games, though. Don't seem to be like the latest and greatest. Yeah. In terms of things that like really require a high-end PC to play or anything like that, I don't see like Halo Infinite on here or anything. Yeah, but, yeah, you're you're definitely not going to get you're definitely not going to get a Microsoft exclusive on it. Um, <laughs> but I on. mean, just something <laughs> of that ilk of of like you know, or Battlefield yeah. or whatever, something like more modern things that that require a really good PC. It, I don't see anything on this list that isn't several years old or really to the low end here. Although I guess, I guess if you got kids, you can really appreciate that they have uh, multiple Paw Patrol games. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> and if you've ever wanted to, you know, farm on your TV, Farming Simulator 19 Premium Edition is available for Stadia. Well, I mean, come on. How can it get any better than that? I I get pitches. There's a company that makes all these simulators. I uh-huh. I should know the name, but I've forgotten it. That the company they make just like the most they have the farming simulator, they have the bus driver simulator, they have a police simulator. Uh they're just like all kinds of things, simulating all kinds of professions and i actually find it kind of kind of interesting like yeah you know you might never get to be a farmer in your life but here's your chance well far farming simulator uh the developer is uh giants software um i'm on their i'm on their steam listing right now um and somebody says vask tech um might be the other another company that's in that space as well. Um, but yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I do notice is that uh, Destroy All Humans, uh, which came out last year um, as the the rebirth of that, that franchise, uh, is on Stadia. So that's that's pretty modern. It's only a year old. I have, I'm not looking, obviously, at everything, um, but I did see that. There's a Katamari Damacy on here. That's pretty cool. That's a I think that's a game that that everybody can enjoy. Destiny 2. I mean there's there's some some quality uh, games on here. There's nothing nothing standout that is exclusive over here. So there's nothing that you couldn't also play on GeForce Now, but if you were playing on theoretically uh if you're playing over there, they're games that you own and you could play elsewhere as well, as opposed to Stadia, your purchases would be stuck behind Stadia. So there's not a whole lot right now to recommend it hugely, um, but uh, 
maybe, like I said, maybe this is maybe this is a symbol of of a bit of a rebirth. Maybe Google's going to take this thing seriously this time. Um, I guess we'll see with time. Obviously, when they launched, they were a little they were a little ahead of an industry that was really about to bloom, right? Um, so so maybe they just weren't confident in the market. Yeah, we we had just a couple years earlier watched on live uh, trip all over itself to figure out how to fail quickly. Uh, so you know maybe maybe they were just going in with with some caution, and now that they've seen Xbox Cloud Gaming be massively successful and GeForce Now uh, having success, so much success that studios have said, no, 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 you can't do that. <laughs> That's that's when you know you've had success when the studios that weren't asked are like, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, I mean, GeForce Now gives you a really good. I mean, they're giving you a really good PC. They they tell uh-huh. you what you're what if you pay for one of the plans, they tell you know, as we went over on this sh- on the show a while back. Yeah. You now have like they have a thirty eighty plan where you can get access to a thirty eighty card. Right. So. Yeah, and and with this, you don't know what you're getting, but I guess the goal here is for it to be a little more like that, right? Where you're supposed to just assume that it's going to work and sit back and let it go. Whereas GeForce yeah. Now is obviously aimed at a more specific market than what, what yeah, people who is. people who would like a, a high-end gaming PC know what a high-end gaming PC is. Right. But but don't have one. Exactly. And whereas with Stadia, you know, everything's wireless, every, you know, it's a, it's a different ecosystem, but I, I definitely think there's a market for something like this. If, if Google will put a little bit more effort into it, I'd love to see it show up on, on, uh, on Roku, like you said. Uh, Cause the, the thing that's interesting is if you use the Stadia controller, you don't have the, the thing that's showing the pictures doesn't have to know anything about games. It doesn't have to be able to take a controller. You can just pair it into the wild or pair it into your phone either way and be able to play that way with your phone signaling the controls and another thing signaling the down uh, for video, which I think is a really clever way of, of addressing this. And it does, it does set them up for something different. Because, you know, could Xbox Cloud Gaming come to Roku? Not easily, <laughs> right? It would. You'd have to know that the device could support a controller. Which, if you got a streaming stick or one of those little, little Roku pucks, it probably doesn't. But with with Stadia, it doesn't have to. Yeah, that that I mean that is really key because I would love it, for example, to be able to get. Uh, NVIDIA GeForce Now on my Roku box. Mm-hmm. There is a way to... There's a, there is a set-top box for it, but you have to buy the Shield TV. Right. Right. Exactly. And this this doesn't require that. Theoretically, so long as they make a client uh, for the product, for the, for the platforms, and here we are with LG being one of them, the problem with Roku, of course... <laughs> uh, is the way they they handle their platform, which we will talk about in just a couple of minutes 
on uh, in the DRM not included segment. But uh, for now, that's uh, th- this could be a good sign of things to come for Google Stadia. But don't get your hopes too high <laughs> because we never know what might be coming next. This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is probably powered by Malwarebyte. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebyte Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that traditional antivirus software can't stop, and it actively blocks things like worms, trojans, spyware, bots, and a whole bunch more. It allows you to use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. And to learn more and get a special price, you can go to f5live.tv slash malwarebytes. All right. So we don't we don't often talk about Tor, uh, the, the onion routing project. Uh, certainly not in a positive light. We've had topics over the years about Tor. Uh, when you hear the darknet... Oftentimes, they're talking about Tor as the back end. If you don't know what it is, um, it is a system that is designed to highly obfuscate your um, your browsing. There is a three-tier system when browsing the what they call the clear net, which is the regular internet. Um, you connect... Normally, when you're on the internet, you say www.plunkettslive.com, and you hit enter, and it goes to a DNS server that gets an IP address, and then you communicate with the IP address and ask for your requests. With Tor, after you've had your uh, the IP resolved, there are now three servers in between. The first one knows um, a lot of things, the second knows less things, and the third knows almost nothing. Um, so by the time you're out on the clear net, the computer that's actually making the request uh, knows very little about what's happening, and it certainly doesn't know who you are. Uh, this interestingly takes us back to the first topic, um, because a lot of people use, if they don't use a VPN, or sometimes in conjunction with a VPN, like pure VPN, they'll use Tor to additionally obfuscate their, their behavior. But because of the structure, there is a way to... Um, knock that security down some. A lot of the security is used um, uh, in places like, say, Russia or China, where large portions of the internet are blocked. Um, So with Tor, all the routing, as far as your ISP is concerned, looks like it's going somewhere else, right? You're going to this router that's possibly in your country. It's not blocked. Everything's fine. And then it's in charge of things outside. Um, So on the Tor network recently, there has been a malicious actor. Now by recently, I mean, it's been a couple of years. Um, 2017, uh, this particular actor has has, uh, gotten involved and they come and go in big batches and small batches. And what they do is they set up, um, they set up servers on both ends of the routing network, hoping that that your particular route will take you through both of their systems where they can then re 
I guess, un-anonymize the data um, to determine where you're coming from because the third server doesn't know where you are. Um, but if one person is in charge of server one and server three, they can un-anonymize the data and then on the end point, again, block you from accessing um, the clear net or certain parts of it if, say, uh, Russia or China doesn't want you to be involved. And that appears to be what's happening here. Uh, the Tor server management system has been knocking these servers off as they're discovered, uh, but it's not an easy process, especially uh, considering just in the last week or so, um, this malicious actor has accounted for um, a statistically significant percentage of uh, uh, routes, uh, possibly as high as 10% of all routes on the internet uh, on, on Tor have gone through this particular uh, malicious actor, which obviously undermines the whole concept, right? If, if the data is able to be uh, unanonymized, the whole concept falls apart. Um, currently, it's believed to be a state-sponsored actor, which certainly sounds reasonable to me. Um, I saw a quote that called it a government-y thing to do which was a phrase that I kind of liked because um, it sounds a little fresher than, <laughs> than uh, it's meant to. But what do you think, Abram? It's, it's definitely taking advantage of, of the infrastructure and the concept of the thing to undermine the whole, the whole point. As we were talking about earlier, true privacy on the Internet is very difficult to obtain. Right. Um, so I, you know, I don't know if there's a perfect solution here. Sure. Certainly use, certainly use a VPN, but I don't, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. I think folks should kind of assume that it's hard to avoid being tracked. Yeah. Uh, they still probably have a better shot of privacy with Tor than they do most anywhere else. Yeah, that's true. Um, I guess it's important to note that if you are, um, and we're not, okay, so a couple things. First, this does not apply to sites that are behind the wall, that are .onion sites as the top-level domain. Uh, this infrastructure is not the way that works. Uh, so... That's not affected. Um, and more and more sites are setting up uh, Onion versions of their sites, including Facebook has a, a completely behind behind the, the Tor firewall uh, version of Facebook. Um, uh, but if you are trying to access regular sites that are perhaps blocked by your country, China and Russia are the most obvious, but India also has a pretty high uh, uh, filter rate on content. We've seen... You know, other other countries get high into this. Tor has been a big way to have gotten around that. Um, you know, the some of the Arab Spring stuff uh, when Twitter was knocked off offline. Uh, uh, Tor was was part of that as well. So, if you're trying to use Tor for legitimate purposes, I'm not going to give any advice on how to use Tor for illegitimate uh, purposes. But if you're trying to use it for legitimate purposes. Uh, in this particular case for clear, uh, clear net stuff, 
Um, there's a couple things you can do. The first is that you can try and get a new a new circuit uh, for your site. Um, Control Shift L on your keyboard will do that. Uh, hopefully, you can knock out uh, one or three being um, that state sponsored uh, bad actor. Uh, if that doesn't work, uh, Control Shift U will get you a new identity and will knock out um, all of your routes uh, and kind of start you from scratch. It will close the browser, uh, but that. Uh, that should work uh, as well. You might have to try it a couple of times because, like I said, at one point, this particular actor uh, was involved in up to 10% of all uh, active routes. So not great. So you might have to do a new circuit a couple of times to knock them out of the equation entirely. But hopefully that should get people back online. Obviously, being able to get around this kind of content uh, manipulation can be important Uh in, in countries like, like China or Russia where, where things are happening and people need to be able to communicate with one another and to be able to communicate outside of the country. Um, so uh, Tor is still able to do that. You've just possibly got to do a little bit of work. So uh, helpful hint there, I guess. <laughs> This week's DRM not included in F5 Live is probably powered by Amazon Prime. You get free shipping and a lot more with your subscription. You get free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV movies and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video. You get free games and a free Twitch subscription, which you can use to support the content creator of your choice with Amazon Prime Gaming, and you get a whole lot more. We've got quick links to our favorite features, uh, these and a whole lot more. Uh, we've got a 30-day free trial if you're not already subscribed, and if you don't know what to get your loved one, uh, a Prime subscription uh, is a great uh, gift idea. We've got a link for that as well, and all of that can be found by going to f5live.tv slash prime. All right. We were talking about Roku and Google <laughs> just a few minutes ago in regards to uh, Google Stadia and why Roku may not be the next platform of choice uh, for the company. And a lot of it has to do with what has happened over the last eight months or so. Uh, earlier in the year, uh, contract negotiations went a little sideways between Google and Roku over the YouTube TV app. YouTube TV is the the live platform, your cable replacement platform by, by YouTube. Um, the contract negotiations broke down and Roku pulled the YouTube TV app from their platform so Google instead moved into the primary YouTube app and said, ha ha, we've got you. Forgetting that their contract on the YouTube uh, primary app was up uh, this week. And so both companies had hoped to call the other one's bluff and have them back down, similar to you. we've all been watching cable and heard your local NBC or Fox affiliate beg you to call your cable company, or you might lose all of your universal networks. Um, Google tried to do the same thing uh, here and call Roku's bluff. In the end, the good news is hours before the primary YouTube app was scheduled to be pulled from the platform, an agreement was reached 
and uh, YouTube and YouTube TV are safe under a multi-year deal. Now, what does multi-year mean? It could be two, it could be 12, neither company is talking. Uh, we'll see what happens here in the near future. Um, maybe we'll get more information as to what the deals here are. Uh, a lot of a lot of um, the disagreement came about over uh, the way that search and discovery are done on more modern Roku platforms. YouTube TV had been given its own uh, content row in discovery. And a voice search was able to be done uh, just within YouTube TV with uh, Roku 5, maybe, or 6, um, possibly 6, whatever the next one is, I think. Um, uh, things are going to change, and uh, Google wasn't interested in that. So that was where a lot of the battle came from, but... Just like Apple, Roku uh, puts a lot of control over its platform. We know that HBO uh, Max was months late to the party on Roku after it was available everywhere else um, because of a similar kind of disagreement over uh, royalties and things like that, which you can imagine uh, YouTube TV also wanted to, to work on was their royalty structure because Roku wants a piece of the action uh, if it's used on their platform, even if payments are taken off-platform, which is different than Apple's current uh, operating process, right? We've we've talked a lot. Netflix doesn't allow you to sign up on an Apple device anymore. You have to sign up on the website and then sign in on your Apple device because they don't want to give 30% to Apple. Well, Roku takes a percentage anyway, um, which might be why we won't see Google Stadia coming to Roku next because there'd be quite a negotiation there. But what do you think, Abram? How close do you actually think Roku was to pulling uh, the most recognized media brand on the platform, on the on the planet? Very close. Very close. Because... I agree. I'm sure they would have done, I'm sure they would have done it because it, it wasn't on Roku for quite a while. And I think some older Roku boxes still don't have mm-hmm. the YouTube app. Mm-hmm. I know I have, I think, a, an older box that can't do YouTube. Yeah. So it's it's not a surprise. Gotta, what is what has been I think to, you've got to be Roku 4 to have uh, YouTube today. And 4 and 5 are the two modern OSs. I think. So so one thing that's interesting to me is just realizing how much money Roku makes off of content distribution deals. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at this and I've always thought of Roku as a hardware company. And, or hardware and software company, they make sure. they make the software and license it to TCL, and they make the software and on for their boxes. Mm-hmm. And and frankly, I think of their of Roku as a huge convenience, but not something you know as the best of its breed, but not something that is required in the marketplace because there's smart TVs that have similar software built into the TV. And then there's competition from the likes of the Fire Stick. Sure. Uh, and and I guess, I don't know, and Chromecast, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So with all of that, you would think that they wouldn't be in such a strong market position to be kicking uh, major content off of their platform because you want, you know, people are not going to buy the box if they can't get the platform that they want. Sure. Sure. Nevertheless, they are 
uh, Roku has used that kind of brinksmanship very effectively. Yes. So, because they are in as, as much as as much as it's surprising, they are the number one uh, smart TV platform. Now, I mean, there's some justice in that because, as far as I'm concerned, their their UI and their their interface is the best. Mm-hmm. I would much prefer to have Roku than to have to deal with Samsung's uh, built-in uh, UI, which is mm-hmm. on every TV I've used it very sluggish and, yeah. and annoying. And I like it better than Fire, than the Fire Stick, or than the Chromecast. But nevertheless, it's not like if they if they suddenly stopped carrying a platform that was important to me, I would totally switch. But they... So in Q3 of 2021, the company earned, had $680 million in revenue, which is 51% more than they had the year before, but still 3 million below forecast. So, so <laughs> apparently people were disappointed. Like you grew 51%, but it wasn't enough. I'll never understand the stock market. You can grow, <laughs> you can grow tremendously and your stock can lose value. But or you could shrink, but you shrink less than people thought you would, and that's okay. But or but, or but somebody anyway, could, or somebody could die in a TV show while near your product, and your stock price could go down ten percent because that definitely happened this week. That's what happened with Peloton. Absolutely, it went down ten percent from from uh, the guy in Sex and the City. <laughs> yes. Don't ever. Don't, I hope nobody ever says that the market is rational. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anyway, the but what's interesting here in looking at the the results is that the amount that they make selling devices was uh, of that six hundred eighty million was only ninety seven point four million. Mm-hmm. So platform revenue, which I think means like the licensing part of it, some some of it five hundred eighty two million. So, some of it's content, and some of it is. Uh is licensing Roku to TCL and uh, Hitachi and companies like that. But they're making a lot of money off of these deals. So there's a lot at stake for them. Absolutely. Uh, I get it. And the interesting thing is they, while I think of them as a device company, like, oh, I spent $40, $30, $40 on your device, and I'm not going to need another one for many years. The other, they think of themselves as a platform mm-hmm. that is a viewership platform, and they've been able to successfully market themselves that way to the stock market and yep. to content providers. Uh, and apparently, to other, and they, to other hardware manufacturers. Right, they've managed yeah. to convince TCL and and Hitachi and a couple other companies that they're the way to go, and it's worked out for everybody yeah, I mean, so far. I mean, I have to buy a new TV soon, and I'm probably going to get a TCL so that the Roku is built in, mm-hmm. so I don't have to attach a box. So, like, and for that, that and for is those a who are, point for me for for those who are watching, the reason I keep pointing. <laughs> off camera is there is a TCL Roku television that I can almost touch. Uh, it's currently unplugged. Otherwise I was going to turn it on and see what the current version of the operating system was while we were talking. But the, so over the course of the quarter, they announced that their, 
uh, 18 billion hours of streaming took place on, on a Roku box mm-hmm. with active accounts averaging 3.5 streaming hours a day. So Roku is acting like a cable provider. Yes. Uh, except, ironically, the relationship between Roku and the content providers seems to be opposite what the relationship is between cable providers and content providers with the cable networks because usually it's the cable network that's paying for the content to be present rather than the content provider paying the cable network to be present. True. True. Right? I mean, it's it's funny. But in, but know, in that who, case, who the, in that case, yeah. the you're paying the you as the the person watching are paying your cable company, who's then paying the the content companies, as opposed to in this relationship, you're paying the content companies and not paying anything to Roku. So I guess it makes sense that the that the the fund right. is, they don't make their money. They don't make their money unless you know unless you can view it on on Roku. Right. However, I have to say Roku is really relying on the idea that once people get a Roku box, they won't they won't switch. Right. Whereas I could completely see a situation where there's a channel that people want. It's not on Roku. And they say, okay, I'm just going to get a a fire stick for 25 bucks and make this switch. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And in that, in that same vein, um, I'm now, as of this moment, I am now surprised that LG hasn't gotten into the, the set top box business with WebOS since they are now the only non Google platform (laughs) with Stadia. There are things that are there that you can't do other places. Uh, I'm I'm now officially a little surprised that they're not in that space because, you know, you can't do you can't do Stadia on a Roku. Maybe you don't want a uh, a Google TV with no well Chrome Chromecast with Google TV is what it's called. Maybe you don't want one of those. So anyway, that's a little unrelated, but yeah, it would be really easy to, to swap to another platform for most people, even if it's built in for, you know, $25 or 30 bucks to get a Chromecast with Google TV, which is the current model or a, or a fire stick, just move on. Yeah. But you know, I guess good, good for Roku. They, in my experience, they're, you, they're, UI and their products are uh, are a cut above the others. Yeah, but uh, and I guess good for good for uh, Roku users that we can still get YouTube because and I really YouTube like TV. being able to to watch YouTube on my Roku box for sure. And so we don't know uh, if we're going to see the standalone YouTube TV app uh, come back to the platform. My guess is yes. Um, just to to kind of separate those two brands out a little bit and uh, to to keep the uh, the interfaces for both platforms a little simpler. Uh, we'll probably see the original YouTube TV app come back uh, in pretty short order. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see with time. But at least we have at least two years <laughs> before we see this kind of pressure again since it is a multi-year deal. 
Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We had a uh, we had uh, quite a bit going on in the chat room tonight, which we always appreciate. Uh, if you didn't join us live and would like to in the future, normally Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us and chat with us uh, in the studio. Give us your topic or your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Um, if you can't do that, plugkitslive.com slash subscribe. You can see all of our shows and all the different ways that you can subscribe. Uh, don't forget over on YouTube, if you hit the join button, for $6.99 a month, you're going to get ad-free uh, versions of this show, uh, The Pilch Point, uh, and then all of our CES stuff uh, ahead of everybody else. So definitely go check that out. It's a great way to support us. Um, uh, I will also note, back to our last topic, uh, Roku is also uh, where you can find all of the Quibi content that went away when Quibi went away. So if you want to watch those 10 episodes of Reno 911, uh, Roku bought them, so uh, I have definitely rewatched <laughs> those mini Reno 911 episodes more than once because they were pretty good. Anyway, unrelated. Uh, anyway, so I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we'll see you back next time. Ciao.